Namaste. So as we know, one of the ways to look at the goal of this yoga, one of the ways, there are several ways we can look at the same thing, is that this is a yoga which takes us to the new creation. Right now we are laboring under the old creation and the old creation as we know is based on ego and desire fundamentally. And why ego and desire is a problem? Because desire leads to turbulence, it leads to all kinds of, uh, you know, either excitement, then despair, happiness, suffering. Uh, the second ego, ego leads us straight into division and separation. So the separate individual self want to assert itself um, for or against other individual selves. Whereas when uh, the new creation is based on the psychic, now psychic has a door to the universal self. And it's an experience of everybody who has touched both these layers. Of course, the first layer is well known to us that when we live in the ego self, we uh, are disturbed, we create disturbance for others and uh, whatever satisfaction we may, we may get in life is very temporary because it's very difficult to harmonize these two different individualities which are in different fields of nature. But the moment we touch the psychic self, it is again interesting experience that you begin to suddenly feel a state of harmony with everything and everyone because the psychic is the right door to the universal self. Similarly, it is well known that if when we live by the desire, life is full of turbulences um, and one can almost say that the degree of turbulence in life is almost directly in proportion to the degree of, uh, you know, extent of desire that we are living in. I, re I still remember it was a very touching thing about somebody who uh, has lived long life free of illnesses and she one day, I mean 90s and she one day said, you know what someone told me you have lived a long and healthy life. You know why? So she never used to look at it like that. She said that it's because I don't have desires. And though it may sound like an egoistic statement, ego may be there. But in principle, what I have noticed about her was that it is true. I, I had also not looked at it like that. <laughs> I mean, she is a lady who something goes away and she says, okay, we must be full of goodwill. Even for the person who is taken away. So, this state of being freedom from desire gives a deep peace inside. Now, this is the basic difference. But what should be the foundation of this yoga? Now, everybody immediately talks about progress, experiences, finding the psychic being, higher consciousness, this and that, uh, aspiration. But where? Sh what should be the basic ground of this yoga? And the mother and Shurbindo both are categorical about it. That the first fundamental thing is peace. In fact, at one place, mother says that uh, there are two actions of the grace. One is to bring peace, solace, calm. And this is the one which is so much uh, valued in this world. You know, everybody wants peace. So, in this world, we look at grace as that aspect which brings peace to our troubled hearts. And at different levels and different ways it brings but there is another aspect of grace and she says that is progress. So progress is not very welcome because you know progress means change, progress means shifting ourselves, progress means effort, progress means coming out of the comfort zone, progress means the ever new and the unknown, progress means that stepping into the future, progress means faith, progress means aspiration, hundred things. Peace is static. So peace is liberating in action. It's something static. And but peace is the basis on which the entire dynamic dance of the all-creating ananda can take place. So, first thing is peace and by whatever means it is possible, one should call for peace, aspire for peace, 
piece is there in the entire creation is the basis. It's what is known as Brahman. If you look at, uh, you know, the famous image where Shiva is uh, lying down and Kali is dancing. Of course, this is explained in different ways and there are different truths in the same symbol. But it's one place Shurabindu says, on Shiva's breast stays the dance of Kali, on Kali's dance. So Shiva is the eternal Brahman here and Kali is the movement of time which is taking place on the breast of the eternal. So this peace is a fundamental thing and it is there in the entire creation, even you know in the neuronal activity between the atoms, what is this empty space filled with? It is peace, it is the basis. What is this void filled with? Now we can't feel it because we are not used to feeling peace. So peace is something which is there in the background of creation and activity is something which is in the forefront. So the more projected we are in the outer life, the more we tend to miss out on this peace. It's about a beginner's uh, understanding. Later on, this peace can percolate in everything. We see the mother's life. Whole day she is active and, you know, even in the bathroom she is, you know, doing things, playing games, taking classes, replying to hundred questions, meeting, interviews, everything. But this peace is always there. But in the beginning we have to learn to practice, snatch out times, moments when we can call peace and focus exclusively on peace. If peace comes, then all the rest is easy to develop. But if peace is not there and we have experiences, they may unsettle us. So that's why we read this small little prayer today. It's a very, all prayers are of course beautiful and it's a prayer of peace. It's August 15th. 1913. This before mother has met Shurabindu, but it's a, you know, <laughs> Shurabindu's birth date. Amrita describes Shurabindu's birthday on, in 1913, how it was celebrated and how he experienced two balls of fire when he looked at his, two lamps of fire when he looked at his um, eyes. And he said they were like lamps who in this entire darkness of ignorance they could enter every corner of my being and chase away all darkness. That's That was the uh, darshan of Sri So on that day the mother is describing this and uh, this is the time uh, Amrita describes that Sri birthday on August 15th, 1913 it's after dusk. So this is the time when, you know, they have all gathered and he wanted to meet Shurabindo and Subramanyam Bharti says, you do one thing, you stay, stay back and when the time comes, I will call you. So it's a very interesting, those who want to read, it's there in Nalnidas, in Amritdas reminiscences. But look at mother's experience, it's very beautiful and it's, uh, you know, something to be practiced. August 15th, 1913. In this Failing in this falling dusk, thy peace becomes more deep and intimate and thy voice more clearly perceived in the silence which fills my being. So this we know in Indian thought it is said that around dusk time, it is the time in Brahma Murth everybody talks about before the gods are big, but very few people talk about the dusk. So whenever there is a transition going on, 
So during these moments of transition, every time there is a moment when suddenly the entire creation goes into a peace mode. It's like when we put a reset button on the computer or the phone. So there is a moment when nothing is appearing because you know you you have tried you are changing over. So in nature there are two moments when change over takes place, and Shobindo speaks of that in Savitri as the double tube light. So one is when out of night morning is emerging. It's a moment of peace, outbreak of the gods. Second is during dusk. So why during dusk? Night is going to come, yes, but during that time there is the aspiration or there is the preparation going on for the next dawn. So it's a phase of preparation. And during dusk, when the evening is beginning to fall and merge into the night, is another beautiful moment. They are given by nature. They are like gifts of nature. That look, this is the time when if you sit, it will be very easy to receive peace. It facilitates the entry of peace. And we used to hear this when we were children. I don't know, maybe others have also heard. Uh, the story that during dusk time, don't do anything which is not the right thing to do. Why? Because Shiva is moving around. So it was like, don't engage in activities which will be very disturbing and it also relates to the birth of Ravana and uh, Kumbhakarna, especially Ravana. So Ravana's birth, it is, uh, you know, Kaikasi wants uh, her husband Pulastri, she is a seer. And Kaikasi is a uh, demoness. And uh, uh, she, wants, she wants a child and she is overtaken by desire and wants at that point of time um, her husband to, you know, indulge with. And he says, this is not the right time and this is not the right state. So in nature, there is a time for everything and one has to respect the cycle of time. If you see all the different stages of man's growth, evolution and every day from morning to night, there are particular moments given to us. So she, whatever it be, they both uh, ultimately relate with each other. But uh, the um, Rishi can see and he says, you know, this conception is not going to be good. My suggestion is you abort it by whatever means. And he does, she doesn't agree. She wants, she is in a state of intense ambition. And that's how Ravana is conceived. So he's a strange birth. There is the seed of all the three children. There is the seed of a seer, sage. And there is also the holding by a mother who is very ambitious. But the, it's only the third child who is conceived in that kind of moment, that atmosphere. So in Indian thought, there was a lot of emphasis on moment of time. You catch that moment. There is a particular moment. And it's not based on mood of the moment. It's like nature prepares you for certain things. And that's why in, in you know, you have the Varna Ashrama, the four ashramas. So you have up to first 25 years, it's all right. You are laying the foundations of your life. Based on dharma, brahmacharasham. Then there is grahast. That's a moment. Go out in life, seize it. And then there is another moment when slowly you begin to slow down the cycle, start withdrawing and start engaging in higher pursuit. Then at 75 you enter into a still deeper. Uh, of course, mother has now changed uh, things in a nice way. So she says life begins at 60 and at 80 it blossoms. So... <laughs> <laughs> she says that that at 80 it blossoms but she also adds unfortunately most of us uh, learn how to live 
live <laughs> at that age you know we have not yet got the basic lessons of life so nevertheless at dusk when we invoke the divine peace but it is there in the background that's why he says it's more intense it's more easy to connect but at every point of time if we just learn to be little quiet withdraw from the surface activity we'll find that peace if we are accustomed to it we can even call peace just from above and it is very solid like a concrete ice block it very powerful experience and um, yet the moment given is dusk time so if we can sit morning everybody cannot get up but definitely it's possible at dusk time to sit quietly and just feel that peace in this falling dusk thy peace becomes more deep and intimate and thy voice more clearly perceived in the silence which fills my being so if you want to hear get the indication it's in the quietude that we can hear otherwise we won't get any indication about which way to go what is happening and many things will happen in life so we have to allow that quietude to develop and then see within o divine master for thee is our life our thought our love all our being so she says that all our life at this point what is she expressing you know and this prayer is very interesting it's a small prayer now some of the prayers of the mothers are very mother are very small now why i look at it in the present context you know when we go to the ashram we have 2 3 minutes so if we want those 2 3 minutes can be transformative in front of um, shurbindo people used to stand for few moments and they found their life changed so it's a question of what intensity we have i remember somebody um, asked um, they wanted to come here to pondicherry all the way from us and he was contemplating so he asked usa ban that time i'm thinking of coming but i'll have just about a day or less than a day she said even if you have half an hour you come for that half an hour you can change we can change our entire life in that half an hour you know the magic of the moment that story of that uh, man who had uh, done a lot of errors in life but he had done something good also like most human beings some good is done despite ourselves <laughs> so shubindra says that uh, through evil banded evil they did a little good it happens uh, regardless of us so he's asked choice what do you where do you want to go he said what do you mean he said few moments in heaven where all your wishes are fulfilled and then you have a long period in hell but you have a choice where you want to go first he says heaven okay fine so you are the king of heaven now you have few moments so he keeps on giving and giving so because of those acts his period of stay in heaven begins to increase and increase till a point comes when he said okay now you know it can't go on indefinitely so you are given in lieu of all these moments in heaven a boon so he asks a boon so what is that boon he says i want to have vision of the lord narayana heavenly being so vishnu appears lord vishnu so he bows down to him and surrenders himself to him now come all the yamas people now your time is up time is up like you here no your time is up time is up now 
go out, go out. So they come to ask him, tell him also, <laughs> now your time is for hell. He said, you people are looking after heaven, but you don't seem to be well versed even in scriptures. What do you mean? They ask him, says, can anybody who has had the darshan of the Lord <laughs> ever go to hell? So, Lord Vishnu also smiles. He says, how can he be sent to hell after he has had my darshan? So, you see that one moment, it's, this prayer is also about that moment. And it's so beautiful. Ek ghadi ya do ghadi, mein puniyad. Some people, whole day will not remember God because they say, I don't have time. Now, if you ask about time, they will say, because you know, I can't take out half an hour. Okay, you take out 15 minutes. Oh, it's difficult. Okay, five minutes. One minute, half a minute. Pack those half an hour into that half a minute. It is called intensifying the concentration. So here it is. There are few moments. Dusk is like that. After some time it changes into night. So in few moments, we can suddenly come in contact with the divine presence and receive the guidance. Oh, divine master, for these our life. So what should we do in that moment? We can ask this, that, hundred things. But in that peace, he is saying, my life is yours. My love is yours. My thought is yours. Now people may say, oh, you are doing mechanically. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Do it mechanically. One day, he will take it seriously. <laughs> Mother says at one place, that, you know, if you have stood before the divine and told him, I am yours, and the divine has said, yes, you must understand, nothing can come between you and the divine after that. It's not a joke. He has said yes. It doesn't now depend on you. It's his responsibility. And can you imagine if he is pulling in one direction, whole world, <laughs> your hand will go away. But he will not even let that. He will pull the whole world with you. That's his capacity. Mother, you see how she would call entire families because that one devotee so all that he was attached to, linked to, everybody would come. So many examples, Nirodha's example, all niece, nephew, everybody. So in that one moment, what do we do? We just give us ourselves. That mother, my life is yours. O divine master, for thee is our life. Our thought, our love, all our being. Take back possession of thy own. What are we giving? It's not me giving. It is anyways was divine. We just forgot about it. He remembers, but somehow he has a very strange habit. He wants us to tell him, this is yours. Freedom. Because it must be a glad and free submission of a living and conscious being, not the surrender of an automaton. So we have to engage in this process where we say, Take what you have given us. It is yours. You should do it hundred times, thousand times. And one day you say, okay, okay. I have taken it. Now. Now after that, see what happens. Magic of life. <laughs> so, take back possession of thy own. For thou art ourselves in our real being. What we call as my, what an illusion. Delusion it is actually, not even an illusion. People live their whole life thinking, this particular capacity is mine. You know, I remember as a 16 year old, when I went to medical college, um, 16 and a half, this analysis came to me. 
And I said, there is nothing which I can call as my own. Whether it's intelligence, whether it be my this capacity, everything is either nature, parents, environment, what is mine? So you realize that actually there is nothing yours anyways. But you feel so proud. Today it is with us, tomorrow it will go away. Look at people, very brilliant people and they are demented on the cot lying like that. Look at Arjuna, he had to be taught this lesson. At the end of the war, we all know when Sri Krishna has gone back and Arjuna has to defend his wives and he cannot, he cannot even lift up the Gandhi bow. Why? Because he has no power and this was a lesson in humility that nothing belongs to you. You think it is your own. So when we have the time, not when we are old, we say take back what is already yours. (laughs) Anyways, we have given it to nature and all our egoistic interests. So divine will say there is no juice left inside. So what will I take? So when, that's why in, you know, in Nachiketa's story, Nachiketa says, you are giving all the cows which have gone dry. Their udders are dry, they become bone, bone, skin bones. You want to give it to the gods? You should give them when they are full, in their fullness. So it's an interesting story that when we are young, when we are full of energy, enthusiasm, when we have creativity, when we have intelligence, when we have emotions, everything has its ultimate passions, body is healthy, that's the time we have to offer ourselves to God. Not that later on he doesn't accept. At 70 when we say, he'll say, okay, leave your application. Sir, please sign it. Next life I'll sign it. You'll, you will, I'll, I have taken, <laughs> but this life there is nothing to give. So look at this, you know, whole thing that we have to give. And what is the attitude? Take back possession of thy own. Thou art, for thou art ourselves in our real being. Who am I giving? To my own highest self. You have become this, so take everything that is this limited shadow, so that the true resplendent being, it's a very win-win, you know, divine has put us in a situation where we are in a win-win, gain-gain situation. Everything that we give comes back resplendent. So, this is a beautiful prayer. Um, I remember one small little anecdote, just few minutes back someone asked me I want to discuss something I said what is there to be discussed what, what about so I don't know whether it's patient this book that book no no how to unleash creativity inside so I said I don't know the way I know only one way give it to the mother rest is her I mean people write all kinds of ways from Kundalini Jagran to this and that give it to mother Every small activity which we have, give it to mother. Do it with this attitude that it's offered to you. And then she will unleash what has to be unleashed. She will release the godlike element. Now, this is not a process. This is an attitude. So, with that we will stop after reading this prayer. August 15th, 1913. In this falling dusk, thy peace becomes more deep and intimate and thy voice more clearly perceived in the silence which fills my being. O Divine Master, for thee is our life, our thought, our love, all our being. Take back position of thy own, for thou art ourselves 
in our real being. Namaste.